I heard the story of um, a young and wealthy and very influential young man who wanted to get his mother the very perfect gift for Mother's Day. As he passed by a local pet shop about a week or so before the big day, he noticed an advertisement there for a very special bird that could whistle the tune to Amazing Grace. This bird could also quote the 23rd Psalm, two of his mother's favorites. However, the cost of the bird was $30,000. Still, to this man, money was no obstacle. He was quite wealthy, as I said, and his mother was surely deserving of such a special and unique gift on Mother's Day, so he bought it. Well, living some distance away by this point in his life, he had the pricey bird shipped to his mother's address. And on Mother's Day, he excitedly rang up his mom and asked about the gift. Hi, Mom. How did you like the bird that I sent you? Well, his heart sank at her reply. Oh, honey, the bird was just delicious. (laughs) Brothers, I hope this doesn't happen to any of us on this Mother's Day. Well, this year for Mother's Day here at Trinity, I thought we might embrace this occasion. I don't often step away from our consecutive expositional approach here at Trinity, but I thought we might step aside today on this special occasion, particularly you guys thought I might have gone to Tahiti or something. Brad preached two weeks ago and Jerry preached last week. What's Dan been up to of late? Well, I thought we might lean in to this moment on Mother's Day and think about together God's gift of the wonderful, godly, Christ-loving women and mothers by spending our time looking at a priceless portrait of a truly faithful and influential, if not not a little bit obscure, mother that we find in the Old Testament, particularly in Exodus chapter 2, the mother named Jochebed. Yeah, you're going to hear a sermon, perhaps the first time in your life, on Jochebed, the mother of Moses. Yeah, even Moses had a mom, friends. Now, Jochebed, we spell that J-O-C-H-E-B-E-D. Some of you may recall was the daughter of the priestly line of Levi, the tribe of Levi, whose name means something along the lines of Jehovah is her glory. In fact, I found out this week that uh, Jochebed was the very, is the very first biblical character in which the name Jehovah is found as part of the name, the very first in all the scriptures. Jehovah is her glory, or perhaps maybe honored by the Lord, a very fitting name for Mother's Day. Well, Jochebed lived some 3,500 years ago, 3,500 years ago, in the very heart of the wicked empire and nation of Egypt. Her story, once again, is found in Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, a text we'll come to right shortly. However, this is a story, a daring and incredible story filled with intense danger, with divine deliverance, with motherly devotion, and with truly amazing grace. In fact, you might even be able to outline Exodus 2, 1 to 10, under those four turns. Uh, intense danger, divine deliverance, motherly devotion, and amazing grace. Well, the outcome of this amazing mother's actions is really twofold. There's many lessons we could walk away with today, but 
On the one hand, there is the lesson of hope sustained. Jochebed's hope in Jehovah was sustained through the safe deliverance of the baby Moses. We'll talk about that this morning. But on the other hand, there is the lesson of this amazing mother's faith approved, a faith committed. Perhaps you're here this morning as a mother and you want your faith to be commended. Well, hers is. In fact, Moses' parents, not just Jochebed, but Moses' father Amram as well, we find his father's name in Exodus chapter 6, verse 20, They are remembered in the annals of Hebrews chapter 11. Did you know that? That Moses' parents are found in the hall of faith. Hebrews 11 and verse 23, for their conviction in the trustworthiness of the God of Israel. There we read Hebrews 11 verse 23. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, Jochebed and Amram. Because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Praise God for truly all-star, hall of fame-worthy parents. Amen? Well, it's been said that it takes a woman or a mother to make a man, and that's in more ways than one. It is purported that the, uh, the president, Abraham Lincoln, in fact, once said that no one is poor who has had a godly mother. This giant of American political history allegedly went on to say, quote, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have followed me. They have clung to me all my life. All that I am and hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. How about that? Well, listen, the man Moses also knew the blessing of a godly and very courageous and faithful mother, A mother whose actions in Exodus chapter 2 not only rescued this beautiful baby boy, but also eventually brought about the sovereign deliverance of a fledgling nation as well. There was a lot riding there in the hands of one Jochebed in Egypt. An entire nation's destiny hinged upon this one mother's daring decision for life. How timely of a thought today. The Bible says in Romans 15 verse 4 that whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of Scripture, we might have hope. Well, friend, that includes this often overlooked, obscure passage about Jochebed in Exodus chapter 2. Even this was written for our edification and instruction today. This baby story, we used to like to watch the TLC show, A Baby Story, or I should say, Laura used to like to watch the uh, TV show, A Baby Story, and I had to do it because that's what a new husband uh, is supposed to do. Well, we used to watch that show, and this is its own A Baby Story found in Exodus 2, the second book of Moses. Before we come to this account of Moses' birth and deliverance, I want to help us capture the key lesson that we can walk away with this morning, a lesson that God wants all of us, regardless of if we're male or female, a mother or not, fathers, grandparents, children, singles, newly married, this is a lesson that you can appreciate and that will bless your heart today. What does God want all of us to learn this morning? It's simply this, that the God of the Bible commends and blesses the faith of his people. The God of the Bible commends and blesses the faith of his people, even ordinary parents like Jochebed, 
and Amram. And God also provides ultimate deliverance and rescue and amazing grace through the gift and preservation of a special son. Now, that special son in this near context, of course, is Moses. But there was a prophet like Moses, Deuteronomy 18, and that prophet, that special son, of course, is Jesus. God wants us to embrace uh, faith in his son even this morning. Well, let's take a moment and read the text. Grab your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 2. If you're using the Pew uh, Pew Bible in front of you, it's found on page 45. Exodus chapter 2, and I'm going to take the time to read verses 1 through 10. Exodus 2, verses 1 through 10. Love to hear that sound. This is God's word. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child... She hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw that the basket among the she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman and she took it and when she opened it she saw the child and behold the baby was crying she took pity on him and said this is one of the hebrews children then his sister said to pharaoh's daughter shall i go and call you a nurse from the hebrew women to nurse the child for you and pharaoh's daughter said to her go so the girl went and called the child's mother And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of water. This is God's word. What an astonishing story, a truly remarkable story found here at the beginning of the book of Exodus. The 19th century Danish theologian Soren Kierkegaard, who just happens to share a birthday with me, is credited with saying, faith sees best in the dark. You might have seen a political character uh, make that quotation in recent months, but it was Kierkegaard who said it first. Faith sees best in the dark. That's a good statement. In order to understand the gravity of Jochebed's actions here in Exodus chapter 2, one needs to remember Scripture's own definition of faith. It's found in Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. Faith is how human beings can be commended by a holy God. The Bible says as well in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 that we walk by faith and not by sight. You see, friends, the birth of Moses to Jochebed and Amram occurred at a time of unprecedented peril and danger for the children of Israel. That is, these were exceedingly dark and very, very difficult days for God's people way down in Egypt. 
And while it is absolutely true that parenting today is hard, it is hard amid the intense, intensely partisan, economically inflated, sexually overstimulized, nuclear concerned, and post-pandemic culture of 21st century America, I kind of think that Jacobet and Amram had it worse than we do. This ancient Jewish couple had it pretty rough down in Egypt. For those of you who may not be as familiar with the background of this particular story, the reason why we are told in verse 2 that Jochebed had to hide her son for these three months was owing to the king's unconscionably bloody edict. Exodus chapter 1 verse 22 tells us specifically that Pharaoh decreed that every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Pharaoh is just another puppet for Satan at this point. There have been puppets before and there have been many puppets since. They always seek to destroy. They always seek to destroy. Well, listen, in any event, months before she concealed him, Jochebed, we might suggest, defied the pagan Pharaoh and displayed her trust in the promises of God by actually conceiving a child in the first place. Just imagine that climate. Imagine the decisions that parents were going through, whether or not to have a child at that time. You see, this act of love between two married Jews from the tribe of Levi was an act of love for and a declaration of hope in the promises of the God of Abraham. Christian couple, if you're here this morning, your love and your commitment to raising and rearing a family in the fear and admonition of the Lord is itself an act of defiance in a crazed culture. May God bless you as you raise families for His glory. As someone has stated, being a mother or a father isn't for the faint of heart. It requires some tough decisions. Decisions that are often risky and heart-wrenching. Decisions that require one to display their ultimate trust in God. And listen, this was most certainly the case around the time of the birth of the baby Moses around 1400 BC, way down in the pits of Egypt. Well, as dark and as foreboding as this couple's circumstances were down in Egypt, there is a beautiful little linguistic hint in the text tucked away in this precious description of the baby Moses that I think we're meant to see. Please notice with me again verse 2 of Exodus 2, where the text tells us simply, the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. I draw your attention to the phrase, he was a fine child. Now, the New Living Translation renders this verse, when she saw what a beautiful baby he was. I will never get over the moment of looking down in the face of Gabby. Luke and Jonah, yeah, okay. But Gabby's face. I'm just kidding, guys. Gabby's face. Oh, even still. Even still. There's nothing like the face of you. Boys, don't, don't look at Gabby's face. I'm telling you right now. But a dad, you can, you can just gaze. 
Well, the New American Standard Bible states when she saw that he was beautiful. So there's a couple of translations that render this word beautiful, but the ESV and the NIV render the word as fine. What's going on here? The King James is actually the best, in my opinion, as I've studied this of late. It's a bit awkward in the English, but perhaps a few of you have the King James uh, in tow this morning, and that's fine if you do. It says, when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, a goodly child, a beautiful, fine, or now goodly child. She hid him three months. Again, Moses, we are meant to see, is a goodly child. Where have we heard that before? Now, some of you, you might also recall the man Stephen, the first martyr of the Christian church, back in Acts chapter 7, actually references this important scene, this description of Moses in his final speech before he is killed. Acts chapter 7 verse 20 declares, at this time Moses was born, Stephen states, and he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought up for three months in his father's house. Well, let's cut to the chase. The point is, the word in Exodus 2, verse 2, in the Hebrew is the word tov. You would transliterate that T-O-V, tov. It means good or beautiful or pleasing. Any of these translations are fine, and they are that. But the point is that when Jochebed looked into the face of Moses, she saw something that was really good, truly good. And it's maybe ringing a bell to you because we have seen this word before in the books of Moses. This is the very same word that is used throughout Genesis chapter 1 when God declares again and again that this is good. The animals are good. The sea is good. What he's made here is good. There is an intended connection in the face of this child with the goodness of God's creation. When Moses came along, it was a good moment. And so here in Exodus 2, I believe, amid the chaos and the crisis of death and despair of slavery in Egypt, we are shown that a son is here born to faithful parents. A special son who is described as good and as beautiful or fine. You see, There was something unique, something even hopeful, even breathtakingly beautiful, piercing through the darkness there in Egypt in the face of baby Moses. God is up to something truly good. Here was a sign of God's promise of a new Adam, a precursor to the new creation, The dawn of a new humanity, despite the darkness, the death, and discouragement of God's people down in Egypt, the world was seeing a sign of God's goodness being held and hidden in the hands of trusting Jochebed, the mother of Moses. And I think we're meant to take note. Well, now, conceiving this child was evidently not the only act of faithful defiance Jochebed was prepared to commit. For next, we are told that when she could hide him no longer, surely on account of the course of all babies, and we hear it from time to time even here in church, and I love it, by the way, if you go to a church that you don't hear babies crying, that church church is soon to be gone. It's a beautiful and blessed and quite welcomed sound, moms and dads. Please know that. Well, again, uh, 
we are told that when she could hide him no longer, Jochebed did something important. Look at verse 3. She took for him a basket. And I'll linger over that word basket in a moment. Made of bulrushes and, and dabbed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. We'll stop there. Look, we know even this sister's name, don't we? This, of course, is Miriam. We find in Exodus chapter 15, this is the prophetess, the singer of Israel, the sister of Moses. Miriam, we may deduce, was about 10 years old at the time of Moses' birth. But in addition, maybe just out of view here, at least out of view of chapter 2, is another sibling, this one a brother, specifically by the name of Aaron, Miriam. Aaron, who probably was around three years of age at the time of Moses' birth, is also in view of this danger. Aaron is, of course, the priest over God's people Israel and would serve as Moses' fearful mouthpiece before Pharaoh in Exodus 28. Now just imagine for a moment, Jochebed's impossible predicament. Put yourself in her shoes. Would she cave to her culture and perhaps unintentionally, of course, extinguish the flickering hope for the people of God? She had no idea what all rode on that child's life. I'm sure of it. Would she really risk not just Moses' life or her own life, but the entire family's well-being by continuing this concealment of her three-month-old baby? Or would she rather, by faith, release the child Moses into the care of her good and all-gracious and ever-trustworthy God? The fate, friends, of not merely a man, but of a whole people, knowingly or unknowingly, lay in the hands of this ordinary woman of God. You may think that your vocation as a mom today is inconsequential, but you have no idea who you're holding. You have no idea what God wants to do through the children whom he gives to you. Be blessed and walk in faith. And it's here in this particular aspect of the scene that there is a second significant signal that shines a spotlight upon the faith of Moses' amazing mom. I want to point it out. Verse 3, it says again, she took for him a basket. A basket made of bulrushes and dabbed it with bitumen and pitch. Now, again, we should say that sounds familiar, and it does. The word for basket here, it might surprise some of you to learn, is actually the same word used in Genesis chapters 6 and 7 to describe Noah's ark. She made an ark for Moses. It is the Hebrew word teba, meaning a box, a chest, an ark. I think we're meant to see in this passage not only the arrival of a new Adam, but also the coming of a new Noah. Through this mother's devoted act of faith in God and defiance against the king, the Lord himself was at work. He was bringing a great rescue leading to the birth of a great new nation. Yes, in the fate of a child. Reminds me of something that happened 1,400 years after Moses in the birth of Jesus. 
Well, isn't it possible, and maybe even a bit likely, that Amram and Jochebed had done the math? They had done the math and figured out that God's promise to rescue and redeem the seed of Abraham, that is, the people of Israel languishing in slavery down in Egypt, was about to come true. Look at Genesis chapter 15, which may be on the screen, may not be. Genesis 15, verse 13 and 14, the text of the scripture says, Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on that nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions." Now, the connection is that that promise in Genesis 15 was about to not expire, but to be fulfilled in Exodus chapter 3. And they, I think, had done the math and were living by faith. They didn't know it was their child, but they knew God was going to use a child to bless his people. We don't know all that was in the mind of Jochebed when she decided to put her baby inside that tiny uh, Nile ark. But we do know what was in her heart because Hebrews 11 verse 23 tells us what was in her heart. Again, the Bible says hundreds of years after Jochebed's death, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. We don't know what all the fears were. We don't know what all the thoughts were, what all the plans were, but we do know what was in her heart. And what was in her heart was faith in Jehovah. Faith in God, because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Mom and dad, parents, can I say something this morning? Something I'm trying to learn really hard these days. The safest place to put your child today is in the hands of a sovereign and trustworthy God, not in your own. Proverbs 29, 25 states that the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord, he is safe. Likewise, the psalmist declares in Psalm 37, verses 3 and following, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will act. He always acts. Not in, all, not in the same ways that we would always have him act, but he always does. Do you really think, even for a moment, that Moses' mom wanted to give him up to an uncertain destiny in a crocodile-infested Nile River? Because it was crocodile-infested. That was the point of the reeds around the basket to try to deter the crocodiles from consuming the basket. I don't think so. I don't think this was motivated out of fear. That's actually to miss the point entirely. She wasn't acting out of self-preservation, but out of submission in God. What she did, I believe she did out of faith on the evidence of Hebrews 11 verse 23. Jochebed made an ark and put her child in it out of confidence in God's character. Out of confidence in God's ability to deliver not out of a sense of worry or concern about her own safety or about uh, little Miriam or Aaron in the next room. Without ever reading Paul, because Paul hadn't come along yet, this mother knew the blessedness of Romans 8, 28. 
words that most of you know. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Even a king's unconscionable bloody edict. It works together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Parents, do you believe that? When a diagnosis comes, when financial shortfalls come for college bills, do you believe that God is faithful and that he's able to provide for you? In other words, Jochebed knew that Moses was far safer in that little ark than in, and in the hands of Almighty God than he ever was in her own home and under her watch. This was Jochebed's let go and let God moment. Speaking of little boats, another quick little story. There was once a little boy who spent several hours working really hard on his own special boat before he went to the local lake uh, to play. He had smartly tied a string to one end of the little boat and was enjoying watching it uh, bob up and down, dance here and there in the water, when all of a sudden a gust of wind kicked up and he dropped the little string from his hand and it, uh, the, the boat precariously floated just desperately beyond his very reach. And with tears streaming down his face, he ran and found his big brother. The boy began to panic even more after he had explained what happened when his brother began to pick up a large stone and, and hurled it at his boat. Just barely missing the boat just beyond, he threw the stone. And then he picked up another rock and threw it again just beyond the boat. Stop it! The boy says, stop it, you'll sink my boat. And then he began to notice what was happening with his boat. He noticed the splash from the large stones were making large waves, and these waves were mercifully bringing his precious little boat closer and closer to his grasp at the shore. Well, the question is, would Jochebed get her precious little boat back? Some of us need to learn that some of life's greatest trials are actually God's biggest gifts. Gifts of God's mercy meant to bring us nearer to the heart of a trustworthy and faithful God. Well, Jochebed, the mother of Moses, did get her precious boat back and then some. A little walking around money, if you know what I mean. Look at the text in verse 4. And his sister, Miriam, that is, stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh, and yes, this is the same Pharaoh who had ordered the death of all Hebrew male children. Isn't that ironic, devil, that God turns around uh, his, your plans for good? This daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at, not really in, she would not be bathing in, that would be rather foolish, but at the river, while her young women walked beside the river, clearly on crocodile patrol, friends. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then all of a sudden, Miriam pops out of the bush, and she says to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother, And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. There's grace. There's grace. 
So the woman took the child and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. I just love the Bible. It's awesome. Understand what's happening here. And you got to get beyond Jochebed for a moment. The Lord here was wonderfully gracious and kind to Jochebed, Moses' mother. There's no doubt about that. But even more so, God was zealous for his own promises. He was working to accomplish his own promise in the life of Israel. This murderous edict was bigger than the one man, Moses. We are not at the center of the universe. When trials come our way, we feel like everything is riding on what happens to me. We are not at the center of the universe. God is up to something much bigger around us. God was here rescuing his own reputation from the wiles of a ruthless reptile, Satan. That's exactly what God was doing. It has been said that this woman gave up what she could not keep only to receive back more than she gave. What a great principle of faith. You see, Jochebed had only had three short months with Moses when she could no longer conceal his little cries. This great act of faith, but through God's sovereign purposes, she enjoyed another four or five years with her precious baby boy, and she got paid for it. Isn't that a picture of God's amazing kindness, his incredible grace? See, friends, God blesses obedience and sacrifice. Not always in the same way and not always to the same degree, at least temporally or humanly speaking. This is one of the remarkable lessons of this very story. As Hebrews 11 verse 6 tells us, without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith, a synonym of trust or dependence or committing one's way to God. Moms and dads, again, I turn to you this morning, singles and newly married couples. Do you believe that God is truly trustworthy and able to rescue you, your children, your future? Do you believe that? Because he is able. He is able. Parents, let me put it to you even more plainly. Do you trust God to take care of your child more than you can? More than you can. As a parent of three teens and one who just got her driver's permit, fair warning, I'm giving you a heads up, about a week and a half ago, is our fierce grip at times a denial of our personal faith and confidence in the Lord? Man, I'm convicted at times about that. This is hard stuff, but this is what it means to walk in faith. One source said of this passage that Moses' mother, Jochebed, conceived him, she concealed him, She committed him, and then she cultured him. He was given back to her, at which time she cultured him. The fact of the matter is, Jochebed had to release Moses not just once. She had to release him twice. Do you notice that in the text? She had to give him up twice. Sometimes it's the second giving that's the hardest giving, perhaps. But before she let him go the second time, she did what Proverbs 22.6 admonishes us all to do. You guys know that verse. Train up a child in the way that he or she should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. You see, this was bonus time for Jochebed and Moses. 
but it would not be wasted time. The world shudders, friends. It absolutely shudders. Hell, excuse me, that's my southern slipping in there. Hell quakes when godly mothers and fathers pray both with and for their children. Parents, before you throw your hands up and give in to the lie which says that that teaching the Bible to your small children at home is too hard and unfruitful, just remember Timothy's own personal testimony. You remember Timothy from the New Testament? 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5 says of Paul, he writes of Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now, I am sure, dwells in you also. Or fast forward to 2 Timothy chapter 3. A lot of us know verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God. You know that passage. But in verse 14 of 2 Timothy 3, Paul writes, But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood, not seminary, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. For all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Moms and dads, there's something you can give your child that no seminary professor will ever be able to give them. And that is a heritage, a foundation of faith in their infancy. Listen, a godly heritage is one that is often forged on the altar of humble sacrifice and deep conviction in the trustworthiness of God's irrevocable promises. There is an altar at your table at home. Moms and dads, therefore, we ought to and are commanded to pray with our children early and often. And we will fail, and we need to pick ourselves up and get back at it again. Parents, we need to read God's Word every day with our kids at home. As Deuteronomy 6 says, that we are to talk about God's character and His acts in Christ when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. In other words, all the time, we need to talk about the Lord. And for goodness sakes, please bring your children to church. And give them an example to follow by staying with them at church and enjoying God-honoring fellowship with the Lord and with His people. Prayer, scripture reading, attendance, faithful attendance, and engagement in the local church. All of these are foundational elements of a godly home. Your faithfulness, moms and dads, in the daily small decisions of life as a parent will set your kids on a trajectory of godly success in years to come. Well, what did Jochebed do with this gracious gift of additional time with little Moses now that he was safe and sound back at home? Well, she didn't do anything extraordinary. She simply did her duty as a godly mom and taught him all she knew about the certain promises and dependable character of a holy God. Again, this is the greatest gift that any of us could give to our children today. It is the gift of our own personal faith and commitment to King Jesus. More than wealth, they need the wisdom of God's Word. More than a safe and comfortable life, our kids need to see what trusting God looks like up close and personal from their parents in a world that is still very much like Egypt. 
Listen, it's not a stretch to imagine little Moses there at the knee of Jochebed as he reaches the age of three, four, and then five. He learns to sit and crawl and he learns to walk as Jochebed is right there simply imparting to Moses the great stories all the way back to Adam. Stories about a garden. Stories about a curse. Stories about a calling. Stories about a tower. Stories about a family that would grow to be the story of the family of King Jesus and of his rescue of God's people. Look, those first few years for Moses were hugely formative years. Parents, we're going to miss these days. As sleep-depriving as they are, we're going to miss these days when they're gone. These were years when Moses, the author of the first five books of the Bible, just imagine if this story went a different way, And the mediator of the law of God at Sinai came to understand something at least in principle of faith in the promises of the God of the Bible. One writer has said that mothers begin saying goodbye to their children from the very moment that they are born. Through God's grace, he gave several bonus years with baby Moses to Jochebed. Around the age of four or five... He was weaned, and Jochebed, we are told in verse 10, brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water. Now, I take it that the one who named Moses is Pharaoh's daughter, which is interesting in and of itself. Faith starts with letting go, but faith results in getting back more than you ever gave up. Evidently, Pharaoh's daughter named the boy Moses, which, as many of you know, means drawn out. Really has a double meaning. In Hebrew, the name means drawn out, but in Egyptian, the name Moses sounds something like to be born, or perhaps born of. And this is the interesting twist, that it's this very baby who would would be God's sovereignly preserved instrument for the birthing of a new nation, for the drawing out of a new people out of, Israel, out of Egypt, which too would be an adventure of faith in the good and certain promises of, an, of a gracious God. What a great story. Well, I just want to close with very quickly three little points of application for us this morning. Number one, if you're here this morning and you have never placed your own personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then Why would you not do that today? Is there any earthly reason, anything from this realm that's holding you back from opening your hands up to your heavenly father? He has sent his everything in Jesus Christ for you. I want to encourage you this morning, if you are not a believer in Jesus, to make this day the day of your spiritual birth. God has sent his own son into the world to deliver you. Talk about a delivery. Moses was delivered, and you can be delivered from certain doom and death this morning through faith in Jesus Christ. That's one way to apply this text, particularly if you don't know Jesus as your Savior. But secondly, if you are a parent, like many of us in the room this morning, or maybe a grandparent who's very involved with your grandchildren, why not ask the Lord today to strengthen your own faith? to help you have confidence in his sure and steadfast promises. Maybe today's a good reminder to say, God, I need your grace afresh. I need your help to navigate Egypt in the 21st century. 
So that's one way as well to apply this particular passage. Ask God to open his storehouse of wisdom, which is found in his word, to lead and guide you, your kids, your grandkids, in a heritage of faith. But then finally, and maybe most appropriately for Mother's Day, if God has blessed you with a godly mother or even a godly father, why don't you take the time today before the day is gone to call them up or let them know in some way how much you appreciate them, how much they have meant to you. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land and that the Lord your God is giving you. Friends, good and godly parents are a blessing from the Lord. And if you have them, you know how much of a blessing they are. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Again, O oh gracious God, what a joy it is to herald your word, to remind us of really amazing things that you have done in history, ways that you have planned and preserved your agenda for the rescuing of a people, even including the deliverance of the life of this baby, the baby Moses. Father, this was really thrilling to think about how we get to partner with you in the rearing of our children, in the walking of faith. It is wonderful, Lord. We are overwhelmed that we are not alone. And we are thankful. So, Father, would you bless moms and dads, parents, grandparents today. Help us, Lord, to be resolute in making sure that you are a first uh, priority in our homes. Father, I pray for those that may not know you as well here. We are so glad they're here. They're, we're so glad to, to get to know them. But we want them to know you, Lord. To know the grace of Jesus, which is always wonderful. And so we pray that you might work in somebody's heart this morning. And again, we thank you for the heritage of godly homes. Lord, thank you for this time. We pray that you have been honored and that your people have been edified. In Jesus' name, amen.